Uh, welcome everyone again to another installment of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, powerful time this evening, eh? You know, um, and I think as Greg's been saying, um, you know, particularly this morning in prayer meeting and, and, and through the service, we, we don't come to just have good meetings, we come to meet with him, you know. And so I feel like, so this evening we're looking at the gift of prophecy, but if your spiritual ears were alive this evening, we've already the prophetic word has already come out and is being ministered amongst us. So this is not just something, a, a topic that we talk about um, and then we may get into structured groups another week and, and practice. This is something that is living and real. It's to be dynamic. It's to to be led by the Holy Spirit and to declare his reality um, into the earth. All good. First time, Vera. First time on the panel. And, <laughs> Nerves. <laughs> Um, so yeah tonight um, um, we're going to be looking at the at the gift of prophecy so we're changing gears a little bit this evening but we're not changing vehicles Um, did you like that one I thought I even I even thought about that one before I sat up here (laughs) you heard it here first yeah yeah I like I never think about those things I just randomly come out in the moment but I thought um, you know when I was walking in here I was like yep we're changing, we're changing gears this evening. But um, what I'd like us to, as we dialogue this evening, I, it's so important that we don't forget what we've heard over the last couple of months. So as we're looking at, at the gift of prophecy, um, what we're not doing is parking everything else that we've talked about. And now for those people like, oh my goodness, finally we're actually going to be talking about one of these gifts of the Spirit. This is a, this is the full package. So, as we talk about it, I'd like you to hear in the context of what God's ultimate purpose is for us as the body of Christ. I'd like you to hear it through the lens of um, what we've talked about through identity and knowing that your purpose is not in ministering through a gift, it's found in him. And so as we dialogue about some practical um, elements to do with this gift of prophecy, I just meditate on them through the lens of um, of what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Is that cool? Cool. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to First um, First Corinthians. I'd just like to welcome Vera officially to the panel for the first time. Hi. Woo woo. Ni hao. Ni hao. Various Chinese, for those who don't know. <laughs> All right, First Corinthians chapter 14. The title in an ASB, Prophecy, a Superior Gift. Pursue love, yet, earnestly, uh, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. 
And now I feel like um, this is a really essential topic. You know, Paul talks about prophecy as being a more, um, what, what did he say? Um, he, he would prefer that you would prophesy than you speak in tongues because prophecy edifies the church. And I think, first off, it's like I was saying before, it's, it's essential to realize that the gift of prophecy is not something separate from God's eternal purpose from the church. It's something that's connected to it, and it's something that speaks into it, it empowers it. It's, it's connected. It's, the edification is not just the building up so that you can feel better. It's, it's not just encouragement, but actually it's specific and purposeful that, um, that as the word of prophecy is spoken, it encourages you to not just an earthly goal, but an eternal purpose. Um, and so as we talk about um, you know, the, the practical outworkings of this gift of prophecy, like I was saying earlier, let's have that fresh, fresh in our minds um, as we dialogue. Um, but so the broad, the broad topic that we're going to be talking about tonight is what, is what is the gift of prophecy? And questions that I've been asked quite a lot is, you know, is the gift of prophecy different to being a prophet? We looked um, a couple of years ago about the fivefold ministry um, and looked at the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And I'd, firstly, I'd like to hear um, from, from the panel here, is, <laughs> including Vera, <laughs> uh, is there a difference between being a prophet and having the gift of prophecy, um, or are they one and the same? Yes, there's a difference. That's it, done on it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I believe that there's a difference because um, one of the, for me, the, the gift of prophecy is a manifestation of the spirit, whereas the office of prophet is, is a calling and, uh, and a position that, I don't want to say it never leaves you, but in my experience with prophecy, there's moments when it's easy to prophesy or there'll be a word that comes for someone, but it's you know being a prophet is not something that you are one day and not the next it's it's full time and for me it's uh i mean we 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 spent a, a bit of time on the the fivefold but yeah massive difference i got yes here <clears throat> what is the gift of prophecy so if you want to um get quite teachery on the whole thing you can write a whole thesis on this, but yes, there is a difference. And I think um, from experience, most of you have uh, the, the gift of prophecy. I've heard a lot of people prophes prophesy, but the prophet or the prophetess is chosen by the Lord, and it's not that you did anything to deserve it. It's not that you lived a um, completely righteous life. It was, it's just one of those things. It's a gift. And so um, I can tell you I did not do anything to, to deserve this or to, you know, most people I know who are asked by the Lord to be a prophet are pretty reluctant people. So which is why I really identify with someone like Moses, very reluctant um, you know, a bit difficult at times, but it's something like someone, uh, Chris is saying, you cannot run away from, I have tried. <laughs> if you
If you have any questions, just come up later. I think also um, those five ascension gifts, there's a grace given, which is on, isn't on the other giftings. So it's quite clear in Romans that there's a grace, there's a power given to uh, those who have these fivefold giftings on their life. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the prophet, the office gift of prophets, a building gift. So it builds the house, which is the body of Christ. Um, and although the, um, you know, I think there's this interesting tension because there's, there's, there's crossovers as far as prophecy builds as well. Um, but there's still a difference, you know, within that, within that building, within that gracing um, of that office gift of prophet. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, office gift of prophet, but everyone prophesies. Uh, there's an apostolic gift, but everyone's called to be apostolic, evangelistical. There's an evangelist, but evangelistical teachers and shepherding. So there's this duality thing that happens within the body. So one of the main roles of a, of a prophet is to rightly divide the word of God. Um, and so you'll see um, prophets, most of them wrote the Old Testament. And so it's like they rightly divide God's word. They see... Uh, what is in Christ and speak it forth. They see the future, but we're all called to see the future. Um, but they um, have a, a gracing and empowering that others don't. Um, and that is the apostolic prophetic edge that a church needs. And so there's a gracing to, to see um, that isn't on everybody, but everyone is called to see. And so as they lead, you know, if you imagine Egypt, promised land, Moses, a prophet, was out the front, seeing things, calling things, and everyone then started to see what he saw, but then he's seeing new things. So he's always seeing things that are new while others are catching up to seeing what he saw when he was here. If you can imagine, you know, we, go to, we all leave and go to Auckland. Moses is seeing um, to- Topol before we see it. But he tells us about Topol. We arrive in Topol, and it's like, man, this is Topol. This is amazing. This is what he said it would be like. So an office gift prophet will always be seeing, rightly dividing this thing because the entire scriptures are prophetic. So it's not just, hey, you're going here. It's they see what's in here and declare it so we can all know it. And I love that, that distinction between not everyone is, is necessarily a prophet, but every born-again believer is to be prophetic. And to prophesy. And in my mind, the reason why it's so essential is because, like, you, there's absolutely nothing that, that you can lose by not being, uh, and not being a prophet, an apostle, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You're in no way limited from receiving everything that's available in Christ because you don't have an office gift, you know? And I think, like Greg was saying, you know, like, um, we, we are all called to, to be prophetic in nature, apostolic in nature, and as part of that, um, to be able to prophesy. And I think I love that Paul here talks about, you know, um, desire earnestly, particularly that you're prophesied because it's something that's that's available to everyone, hey? So. Um, I was just thinking about Moses, and um, there's that time where um, I think he called 50 of the elders to the tabernacle, or 90 of them, or I can't remember the number, and um, two of them didn't make it to the appointment. They were stragglers. Um, and uh, 
Spirit of the Lord turns up and you've got 88 of them prophesying and two of them were outside this tabernacle area where the official prophecy meeting was happening and um, they're prophesying and uh, Joshua comes over and he's like, these guys are prophesying outside where everyone's supposed to be prophesying and Moses, who was a type of Christ, really expressed the Father's heart in that moment and said, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. Um, and, And... you know, now we see that with the outpouring of the Spirit, Paul encourages us all to be able to prophesy. Um, for me, uh, just while we were talking, I, I just realized that the life of a prophet versus someone who has the gift of prophecy is radically different as well. So, um, and I was just trying to find it, but I can't remember. I thought it was in James. And it says, um, he says, take for an example your brethren, the prophets, who are an example of suffering and affliction. And these people's lives are the demonstration. And obviously all of our lives are called to be as well, but it's almost like the next level. You know, these guys are an example of what it is that God's doing in the church, not just what's coming out of their mouths, but their very lives. And so I think maybe just if you wanted to be a prophet, maybe just, you know, think, think twice because sometimes, particularly throughout the Bible, there's some pretty radical applications to this, you know, like Ezekiel, whose wife was killed by God. Um, I don't know. If, go, go and have a read of it um, for, for context. But as a demonstration of what God was trying to proclaim to the people through his relationship with his wife, like it's pretty intense stuff. There are prophets who who um, were naked for days and months on time as another demonstration of God speaking through not just words, but the example of their lives, you know? So, um. Just to touch on something Sam said and what Vera said, that um, because I think this has caused issues in the body that, you know, we want to be. Well, you don't choose to be. You get chosen to be. And the reason that's so important is because there's a grace that's, given with the calling. So if you try to be something you're not and don't have the grace for it, you won't survive. You'll get burnt and killed by the thing you're going after. And that's why it's so critical we run in our own lane. Because he empowers those he calls and it is an absolute calling. It doesn't you don't choose it, it chooses you. And with that comes the gracing and that's why it's so essential we don't go after these office gifts. Because no power no character, you'll probably use the gift like we see in some of these people who actually use it falsely and are called false prophets. So it's essential we don't chase them. And it says of Jeremiah that he was called as a prophet before he was even conceived, you know? Yeah. And I think there's there's so little human choice in being called before you are conceived. It's, you know, the... It's as much as you can choose your skin color before you're born. That's the, the reality of what it means to be called as you know, um, as a prophet or, or an office. But in the same breath, yet Paul is encouraging us here to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So while we while we not to pursue a title or position per se, and we're to run in our own lane, we are to to seek after everything that's available in Christ for us. Uh, I think which is what. Um, which is what this is all about. So um, I, I was just thinking throughout the week of, you know, Greg was just saying, you know, it's imp- so important to to run in your own lane. And I feel like coming to the, 
you know, the gift of prophecy um, and, and um, you know, this gift that we as the body are all called to, to function. And it can be a bit of a, a freaky thing to, you know, to, to enter into when you don't have a lot of understanding of, of what it is, you know, um, speaking on behalf of God or trying to speak into someone's life or give, um, give some sort of word. Um, but I feel like in, in doing all of this, we hopefully will break down some of those misconceptions um, so that, um, that we can become confident in you know, at functioning as a body in what God has, has given to us. Um, and one of the key things that I've been thinking about, um, particularly in, in regards to the gift of prophecy, you know, is, um, is that we're all called to prophesy, but you know, it says everyone is to operate in a gift according to the measure of faith that he's been given. Um, and I had an interesting um, conversation with, with my boss my, I had a new boss this week who's, who's just started, and our role as policy analysts is, you know, there's uh, any major government initiatives that are going on that will have an impact on the country as a whole, our, our team have to make comment um, as to what we feel the implications will be to the, to the group of people that we're responsible for. And so something will come in and we'll say, yep, we're supportive of that, or no, we're not supportive of this, or here are some things to consider, and we're so used to saying, yes, we're supportive or we're not supportive. But my boss um, just sat me down this week and he said, you know, you've just said that you're supportive of this. Are you confident? Do you actually know what it is that you're supporting? Are you confident enough in the subject matter to be able to make a call on behalf of the organization to say um, that this is the way things are and we support it? Because if it comes back and something goes radically wrong, you know, significantly wrong, and you've said confidently that this is the way it is, there's going to be trouble, you know? And I feel like, it, as, as you're speaking to me, it actually really made me think of the gift of prophecy and what it looks like to operate in a healthy way, which is not to be freaked out, but is simply to be confident and to operate within our own um, jurisdiction, within our own level of faith, so that when you're prophesying, you're confident in what it is that you feel like God has said. And when you're speaking that over someone, it's not a wishful thinking or I hope that you'll be like this, um, but you can speak confidently knowing that it's what the Father has spoken. You know, um, So for example, instead of, you know, prophecy doesn't necessarily have to look like coming up to Paul and saying, thus saith the Lord, I've heard from God, you're to do this, that, and that. But it might be saying, hey, I've, I've, I've had a sense from the Holy Spirit and I feel like he's saying this. And so in, in that way, you're, you're able to be confident and to minister, but without stepping outside of the, the measure of faith that you're being given um, and you're able to, to act confidently um, in what it is that he's saying. Um, so um, I'm not sure if anyone else has, has any thoughts on you know, the, the gift of um, the gift of prophecy and, and what it actually looks like to, you know, to deliver a, a word of prophecy um, in, in a practical sense. Yeah, I love that. I, um, I think that's really great, really good advice, Sam. You know, um, it can be really daunting. So as a, as a family, we've had a few experiences where we've practiced this as a family. So we've got broken into small groups and gone, right, let's step out in this and exercise this, right, so that we can practice what this looks like in a healthy way. And um, and I think that's fantastic because I think there 
can easily be, like you said, some misconceptions where we go, well, this has been my experience, therefore this is what it might look like. Um, or this is what I think it should look like, and therefore, you know, you go that way. Um, and, and that, to me, is a really obvious one. The, Thus saith the Lord, it's really hard to come back from that. Either it is God or it isn't, and yet you might only have a sense of something. So for me, quite often when God gives me something for someone, it, um, it doesn't always come in words. So I, I won't go, this is what God said in words. I might go, I have a sense on this. Um, and I feel like it's okay to be really honest with people in this process, to go, hey, look, this is what I'm getting, this is what I'm feeling, and I, and I feel like this is for you, and to invite feedback. Um, there are times where um, it's absolutely God and I have no doubt in my mind. Um, well, okay, sorry. I, I always believe that it's God, but there are some times that I have no doubt in my mind what it is that he's saying really clearly, Sometimes it comes just as a sense, and so I just, yeah, I guess my advice is don't snooker yourself, don't set yourself up to to fall, and um, yeah, those are probably a couple of the, the standout points for me, eh? For me, I'm not yet big on declaring a lot of stuff out, like Greg, I think, sometimes I think Greg's more prophetic than I am. But that depends on context, relationships, and also um, platform. There are other factors involved. But for me, I find that a lot of building words that come for somebody is in the context of dialoguing one-on-one or in small groups. Right now, that's how I tend to have words uh, which build people in this context. When I'm outside of this environment, I used it. Um, I had a lot of prophetic stuff and healing and was able to use the gifts that God gave with this office at my workplace. So remember, I was teaching in um, university for a long time. So it, it just put another edge onto that gift of teaching. But now God has called me back into the body, um, I can sense that he's developing other stuff. But for now, I hear a lot of prophecy through other people, especially um, these guys here, you know. And so there's that overlap as well of um, prophetic words coming through other people like Paul and Sandra that builds the church. But I think as we grow... I'm getting the sense that the Lord is also developing the context, the environment within which these gifts arrive or are given so that we um, we nurture people's gifts and we build them up without bringing any harm. You know what I'm saying? Because we've had a past of that. Um, I've had experience of other stuff, but... I sense that he's going to build up this environment. We're, we're pretty, I would say, not too babyish, but we're quite newish to the gifts. Yeah? So I, I sense he's also not just going to give gifts to people and encourage uh, prophetic gifts and stuff like that. He's also looking at the environment. You know, so he's looking at leadership spiritual parents and stuff like that so that we nurture 
the gifts that he brings. Anyway, that's a roundabout way of answering things. Um, I, so, I sort of wish I had a whiteboard behind me so I could, I could just draw. Because um, I, th- I think it's really important to realize there's different aspects of what we call prophecy. And I, I think predominantly uh, we tend to probably just think it's one thing. And, and I actually think we can miss the most important aspect, which is that the scriptures are prophetic. And so part of prophecy, and this is, this is where a prophet uh, with a fivefold can see and declare. So Isaiah was always speaking the future, but it was written. So he sees into what is already finished and is declaring that. See, so it's contained with the scriptures. It's found in the scriptures. It's found in Christ. And, and really, this is, I believe this is the most important because it's, it's, this is the word that builds. It's the, what already is foretold that is declared from someone who has the revelation of what is foretold. So that's the living word that has power that when received goes in and goes and the word performs its work. Boom. So it's a building substance of someone that's seeing what's in the scriptures that is foretold. And so when Jesus stood before, <laughs> when Jesus sort of stood before um, uh, Peter and, and Peter um, sort of had no, no reference for a lot of the things that, maybe just leave it there, um, he, he had no reference for a lot of the things that, were, that were, he was saying. So Jesus was talking about stuff, and he's like, he said, how come you don't know? Isaiah said this, this is this, this is here, this is here. So a word that builds um, is a word that comes from what already is. Okay, So you're not making it up. You're not drawing it out of thin air. I think the other words that God gives, gives us are to prepare us. So he's saying things to prepare there's something coming. Yeah. So he started screaming very loudly in 2009 about what's coming. And you might have heard there's supposed to be this ship that's being built here. And we've had that about four times. Okay. So that's a word that God is saying to us that it's not a building work like it's a preparation work. And as you enter into that, you're going to be built. But it's declaring a future that God sees for us. And so it's drawing us. If you have ears to hear it, it's like, what's that? So we're leaving where we were and being drawn to what God is saying is in this unseen realm. So I think that's a key. I probably don't need that now. Thanks, guys. Um, Is that... (laughs) Can you see it? (laughs) It's there. Can you see it? (laughs) So it's like this. If you think of a word that builds, a word that blesses, and they are both really important. Um, And, you know, uh, I remember... um, God gave me this word, and it's in there, that he said, I'm going to expose every heart. So that wasn't a, what I would say a building work. You know, that wasn't a word that you hear that goes, boom, psh, oh, I've just been built. That was like a, oh, this is coming. So tell the people through the proclamation of the word that builds, hearts will be exposed. 
So as you declare a word that's going to shine light, the purpose is I'm shining the light so what's in hearts can be seen. And then people can turn and start repenting of things in their heart that's keeping them from a wholehearted devotion to me. And so this is part of the journey that we've been on. So there's a word that God gave me, very clearly heard it. I went, oh, I remember saying it at every level, and it wasn't just, it was every level, eldership, apostolic, every heart will be exposed for good, the stuff that's of God, and the stuff that's of man. What for, Greg? For the purpose of building. Not for the purpose of tearing you down, for the purpose of building you up. So that has been outworking itself. And, you know, a whole lot of people that were part of the rock are no longer part of the rock. And a whole lot of other people have come and a whole lot of people have stayed. And God is building with a prophetic word, making us aware of what is contained within these scriptures. And so I think it's just really important that it's this all, but that we can see it um, and not just lean on I think God's saying this for you. There's absolutes you can know in here, which is his prophetic word becoming alive in here and here, and I'm becoming like him. And then there's, you know, the other side of that. And I think that's a good, exa- a really good example of, of seeing, like, practically what's the the macro God's macro purpose or the importance of that and how that flows through into the to the actual application of the gift and how the gift serves God's you know God's eternal purpose by empowering someone to speak into what it is that God is, is saying and, um, and and has done can I say one just one thing and, and Sam touched on it. that's why it's important you only prophesy in accordance to your faith so when you're prophesying this, in this context of going, you know, I'm going to get up and share with Amy the word. Well, you only do it in proportion of your faith because I'm going to share. I'm prophesying to her. I'm not saying Amy in 10 years' time. I'm saying the word of God says this. So I'm prophesying. I'm just sharing the living word with Amy, but I only do it inside the border of my revelation. If I try to take this outside of the revelation now, now both of us are in danger, specifically me, because I'm teaching her something outside of what has been revealed. So that's why when we prophesy, whether it's within the boundary of you're going to Cambodia and Tees or this, it's actually I think it's, it's essential that you don't step outside of your revelation. Peter stepped outside of his revelation all the time. Okay? And so that's why Jesus rebuked him and said, get back inside your box. You're not going there. Okay? He's speaking from his reference. He's actually prophesying death when Jesus prophesied life. So Jesus rebukes him sternly. Get behind me. You're stepping outside of your revelation. He actually didn't have much revelation until the Father started to show him, until after Acts. So once again, that keeps us in an alignment where you can't put someone crook. Okay? Um, that kind of brings me to something that um, often comes up in, in this, for me, a lesson that God taught me really early in my walk, and I'm sure he teaches us all the same thing, is about the power of your words. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And so whether it is that you're speaking over someone individually or you, you're speaking 
corporately, I feel like, you know, where James says, can salty water and sweet water come out of the same source? I think it's a really big deal with God. You know, the, the mouth that's habitually speaking death, how is that in a moment going to start speaking life? You know, and so I think that it's something that we can um, commit ourselves to, which is to make a choice to speak life and not death, to not let our, our habit be death or to not let death come out of our mouth all the time so that we are a, a vessel fit for the master's use in that regard, you know. Um, and, and for me, I feel like that, that ties in with that speaking outside of your authority or outside of your revelation as well as not speaking beyond what it is that has been revealed to you that there's the life factor in there as well. And I think, you know, just, just on that, you know, like, you say, like getting into the practice of speaking life, and I think to me that, like, it's, is it, is it that out of the wellspring of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know? And so I think that's why it's so important that it's, um, it's out of, um, you know, this wellspring of the heart is what he's doing within us, you know, and as we're changed, our language all of a sudden starts to change because it's a reflection of what's what's on the inside, eh? That's, um, that's the aspect of the prophetic thing I found quite difficult. One of the key words the Lord said to me, uh, watch your words. But the thing is, I didn't know what that meant. As a young, developing person, I was kind of testing that out as well. So I found that aspect of the gifting, the gift quite challenging to deal with because I didn't believe that everything that you said had an effect. So I, yeah, I found that quite difficult to deal with. But I reckon, um, I think part of the environment that the Lord is building is allowing for development where people can make mistakes safely as well and not kill them off. <laughs> I've been in environments where people just want to strangle you. Um, yeah, and rightly so maybe, but I have a sense that we're going to you know, know better and he's going to teach us how to do it well. So we, we allow for those mistakes, but for growing and developing giftings without killing off people. That's why relationship is crucial with Christ, you know, and, and if he, uh, John 15 talks about that, it says make sure you abide. And so basically if you abide and the more you're abiding, what you're saying is going to be from that abiding posture. So it will be what he wants you to say because you're abiding in Christ. It's when you're not abiding, you get in trouble. That goes for leaders and developing gifts, eh? yeah. everyone. So, you, so yeah, that's why he teaches us to abide in Christ. So if everything is geared to have you um, and your time given to the Lord. So that's why he has to be the number one in your heart and you have to develop, well, have to. If you want to grow, you, you need to develop an intimate knowledge of the Christ. So your time, you must spend a lot of time with God. It's not just a five-minute wonder. 
out the door, and now let's get into this stuff. He's looking for a continuous uh, revelation upon revelation upon revelation. So yeah. when you speak, because you're representing him. So you're representing the Father. So yes, as Vera said, we want an environment where people can absolutely grow. We must be teachable. But at the same time, the, the weight that he asks you to hold as far as you're representing me. So for me, I don't want to say anything that's not of him. Yep. Even if I don't even know. I, I want to know him that when I speak, it's him. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Nah. It's like I want to have a confidence that I know that I know that I know because of the power that's coming forth. And when you understand that the sword of God, the word of God is power, and it it can break or build, you know, you you need to know how to handle the sword. So uh, someone in the army needs to know how to handle the weapon. I watched Mr. Bean last night with the kids and... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's a funny movie, but, you know, you need to know what you're doing. It's... And so there's yeah. a growth process of maturity, yeah. um, and you know, but it is important. I feel like the family context is is so fantastic at describing what what this looks like. You know, so like for Levi, he's a very gifted young young boy, but there's some things that he can do, and he has the freedom and the flexibility to operate in certain parameters. But there's actually some things that if he was to step out of that, it's dangerous for him and it's dangerous for everyone else, you know. Um, and so I think that's, to me, like Vera was saying, it's a, this is a healthy context to be able to, to grow and mature in, in prophecy and, and in the different gifts, knowing that um, there will be mistakes, but there's also, um, you know, voices that will able be able to say, hold Hopefully, or maybe not in these words, get behind me, Satan. You're, 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 you're out. I've had that as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not in those words per se, but maybe in, but absolutely in the intensity and in God's intention behind what he meant when he said that, you know, to be, to, to be able to help and facilitate growth and to be able to get back on track and to be able to, you know, um, you know develop um, um, and, and become mature in, in everything that we're doing. Hey, so, um, so, so, question for the panel is: so we've obviously talked about, um, you know, um, prophecy in the sense of the prophetic word and the scriptures being the first place priority. We've talked about prophecy on a on a more, um, you know, obviously there's the macro and then there's the micro, and these things are obviously interlinked and need to be together. When we talk about the the gift of prophecy, would you guys say that it's multifaceted, multi-layered? Um, what does it? What actually is the gift of prophecy? Is it is it one or the other? Is it all encompassing? What 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 is it? This is why I got this thing, but it fell on the ground. I thought it was going to smash. Um, the Lord kind of uses these multifaceted. Don't think it's it's new age. Sorry, I don't mean it to be a new age thing. It just demonstrates the most multifaceted size of the Lord. And I find that in the gifts as well, you know, like, so I might not come up to you and say, thus says the Lord. I'll leave that to Greg and Chris. But, um, but you know how you guys know already, there are different kinds of prophets. So there's a worshiper's one 
you know, a worshipping one. There's um, one who does silly things, demonstrates it through their life and writes and all of that. So um, I'm finding there are so many different facets of these gifts, just as God is multifaceted, so are his amazing gifts. That's what I got. <laughs> I think um, there's <clears throat> prophecy is speaking forth a word of the Lord. So it's declaring the intent of God's heart. And we're all called, that's why I believe God wants us all to have this gift, because we're all called to be voices who declare God's intent. We declare what is. Now, whether that is in what is already written, so it's already written and we need to know what is already written, so then we declare that. That's whether that's one-on-one, whether that's in a public gathering, whether that's in the middle of Courtney Place. (laughs) However God leads his anointing in the Spirit is that you know God's intent, you know the will of God. And so your life is proving the will of God, but you have and can hear from God. So once again, it's it's whether it's me and Luke after this are going to go have some time. And I'm going to share with Luke what I know is in Ephesians. And so I'm going to prophesy into Luke. Not, hey Luke, I see it, what is just, we're going to go through line by line and on the revelation, as we heard, I'm going to share God's intent for what I know is in that book. So I'm speaking forth because I, I, well, I have the Holy Spirit on me. And the Holy Spirit brings to light what God's, what's God's intent. And this is where there's this weird sort of two-part one thing where everyone has the Holy Spirit. And so within the Holy Spirit, we have the gifts and we're called to minister at his leading. And then there's this empowering, this gift of something which actually adds like another bit of a spark to that. If that makes sense. It's like you've got a, like a, maybe a double portion where this person's got a portion. Okay? And so really then it's – and then it could also be with this gift, I'm declaring God's intent for Dragos in the next year. I believe God gave me this word. Here's, I'll give you an idea. This morning I saw a picture for a particular person who I prayed for. And I described the picture to her, and I described what was happening in the picture, and I described what God was saying through the picture, to which she just said, yes, 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 yes. And so that is also with a gifting, declaring God's intent through what he was showing me in that moment. Um, And as a reference for the one receiving that, I think... Once again, this is this tension because the more you know the Spirit, the more you know when it is of the Spirit. And so there's an agreement, you know. And, and, and so if, you, if someone's saying something to you and there's not that sense of in your inner gut, spirit realm, just, just go, that's cool, just park it. So I think when the Lord speaks, there is a sense of it might be like, oh, my goodness, but still Yes. And um, I, I don't want to hog the conversation, but this might help. When I remember six months as a follower um, at a men's camp in El Rancho, and there was about 200 guys there, and this guy, after lunch, pulled me, and I can't remember who the other person was out of the crowd, and he just said, he said, I've got two words 
for two people here. And I knew one was for me. I just knew one was for me. And he looked directly at me like I'm looking at this man here. And he said, you. And he just started to speak for like 20 minutes. And I'm doing what he said I would do. Now, at the time, you know, when you are six months in the Lord and you don't have a passion for this, but you have a passion for God, and he's speaking, you're going to preach this, you are going to be a man who, you know, basically you will be paid for a living to do this, what I'm doing. And I'm going, man, that's full on. (laughs) I'm just getting to know him. And he's just... But in my innermost being, it was going, yes. My mind was going, I didn't even have a hunger for this, so I needed to pray for a hunger for this because I was in sales, and I thought, well, you need to know what you're talking about. Not that you sell the gospel, but you need to have product knowledge. <laughs> you need to know the one you're following. And, but he was just speaking, and so the word was bigger than me at that time. But my innermost being was going, this is you, Lord. I know this is you, even though it seems outside of, and it was outside of my capacity. And so your spirit will will, will resonate, that's the word I'm looking for, with what is being said. You may not grasp it here, and and you really probably shouldn't, but your spirit will be going something in that. It says that he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And um, for me, so often when someone... Um, gives a, me a personal word or when, when I hear the Father speak, it clarifies something that I'm kind of thinking or sensing but haven't necessarily articulated yet or it's the answer to a question. It just There's a knitting there that just takes place for me, which I, which I love because, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced um, hearing something prophetic, both good and bad. Um, and, you know, sometimes hearing the bad stuff just helps clarify what bad feels like, you know, where you go, oh, actually, it's not doesn't feel quite right. Um, in my experience, I feel like I, I love um, how you worded that, Greg. That it's the declaration of God's intent, and for me, that can come in a in a corporate sense, in a in a big sense where it's declaring this and making this uh, more tangible, or giving clarity to it, or articulating the gospel. You know, it says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Um, and sometimes it's in the small things that, that relate to my life or someone else's life that God might have a word for. And I think either way, it just shows how how great he is and how much he cares. And, and, um, and I love it that he, you know, for me, I go, man, there's been some times in my life where I've had words individually, much like um, Greg, not as dramatic as that, but um, it's still brought clarity to something that I needed an answer for or or helped fine-tune or direct, you know. And I think for me that the real parameters is is right there in First Corinthians where it says, um, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, sometimes comfort doesn't look like we think it does. <laughs> it's not always, you'll be okay, you'll be all right. Sometimes it's like, actually, your life's a mess, get off the couch, do the thing that you need to do. And that's a building word, it, but it's a comforting word because it goes, actually, your God cares for you more than what you realize. He's a father that doesn't want to see his son fall apart. And he's saying a word that isn't what I would necessarily want to hear, but it's what I need to hear. And so I love it when God steps beyond the realm of what I want to hear to what I need to hear. 
And that, to me, is what comfort looks like. So I feel like we have to be careful how we define uh, edification, exhortation, and, and, and comfort. Um, but for me, the, the characteristic of everything that he does is that there's life attached to it. Sometimes he goes, this is the thing that I'm saying, and I'm like, oh, it does not sound good, but I know it's you, and therefore I can go there, you know? What about for others have examples of, um, you know, whether it be a, um, a micro or an individual word or a, um, a macro word, a word that's been spoken, you know, from the scriptures or for the, for the body that's been particularly um, impacting or has stirred something or has confirmed something um, or spoken something that's future, um, you know, before you've been able to see it? Does anyone have any examples? got quite a lot of words when you're my age you get quite a lot of words but I'm also quite cautious about a lot of them you know when Greg said you can feel in your spirit when a word is from God or it isn't Um, but I think a word that really helped define me as a growing Christian um is when, this is going to offend some people, is because uh, I pray a lot. That's one of my biggest things, is interceding for the church and praying. So if you're having a good day, you know that somebody's praying for you. <laughs> if you're having a bad day, it's because I'm not praying for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, so, so one of the words that helped define me, because um, part of the development of most people what I find with this development is that you can see both heaven and hell. I, I, I know that's part of my development. I can, whenever the Lord says, oh, you've got this to do, you, you, he blesses us with a word or something. Like that. And then almost as a side note, he'll say, oh, and by the way, the enemy has an assignment on your life. And I go, oh, yeah. Yes, you said that before. But um, the thing is, I was praying a lot because I do a lot of praying in my closet. And one person spoke a word over me and said, um, you're a, should I say this? You're a badass in the spirit. And that might sound rude to a lot of people, but it just got me all excited because that's exactly, exactly how I feel in the spirit when I'm praying into a situation and interceding because I see the damage that the enemy does and we're, we're going to put him where he belongs, you know? So anyway, whether you like that or not, that was a word that really encouraged me. <laughs> I'll be back. Um, this is one I got early on and I didn't understand it uh, when I got this Um, and it was I remember being with um, well I I didn't understand the context for it which is probably better I thought the context was for something else and um, I remember being with Simon English so I got this probably in 1998 by a guy by the name of Graham Marchant who used to be here um and I've met up with Graham a number of times since since he left here. But um, 
he gave me this. Uh, at the time, I, I did a network um, gifting thing here uh, as a, a new follower. And, um, and part of my one-on-one with him is he said, I believe this is for you, and it was from Ezekiel. And I'll just read it out. And then when I was with Simon um, English, uh, who uh, before he left, probably about a year before he left, he was talking to me at Ruby's, uh, not Ruby's, at um, the Q Cafe. And he was talking away, and then God just started to speak to me. And it was really weird because I was trying to listen to Simon, but the Holy Spirit was whispering in my ear about this particular word. Um, and it says this, it's from Ezekiel 3 verse 4. Uh, he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligent speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligent speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you, yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all my words which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people. And speak to them and tell me whether they will listen or not. Thus says the Lord God. And um, this is probably a little bit challenging in the sense of when I originally got that, I thought he was talking about lost people. And I thought I was to go to the lost people because they were here. They would hear my words. They would understand my words. I speak in English. I would understand them. And so the context for me was always um, the lost and when I was with Simon, God whispered, he said, it's never the lost. Israel were my people. He said, it's the church you've been sent for. And to back that word, there was another word I got in 2005 where a woman walked in here and said, are you Greg Simnor? I said, yes. And she handed me a bit of paper and walked out again. I've never seen her again. And within that prophetic word, I didn't understand any of that. But when God spoke that, this came to life. And it was just the reality of what God's wanting to see done and what he's trying to do in his church and the church he wants to see built. And everything he gives us, and, and I knew the power of that, and as we've walked that out as a family, the unfolding of those words have, have materialized. And they are still materializing that God wants to see us become who the, this says we are. And so there's a massive wrestling, there's a massive fight, there's this wrestling between I want to live, but he's saying I no longer live. And and so that has shaped and defined so much of my walk with him. Um, and it's shaping this house here, which is also part of this. You know, I'm not sure if, if you've got revelation on what this is. If you haven't, I would seriously get you to take this and spend time with God. This is declaring a reality of a life that is for us and yet it can just be treated like it's just a book with some words in it this can be treated like that it's just a book with some words in it that I don't understand but God has given us the spirit of God that we would know the heart of God and the intent of God that we would be the people 
of God. And this, when I meditate on this, this tells me I should know. This tells me I can know. This tells me there are things prepared for us that I, that the Holy Spirit wants to share with me, that I am a prepared people. And see, this is the challenge because there's a massive wrestle between what we think and we know and what God's saying. And yet we have an opportunity. So God sends, he sends people to help us. And we're all a sent people, see? And so in this family, he's, he's declaring a reality. But the thing is, you need ears to hear. So you need ears to hear the prophetic word, don't you? And I don't mean, I mean any word that's of God, you need ears to hear it. And this also declares of a group of people that had no ears to hear. So although they sit in a room like this, they never heard. And so there's a hearing that's required to hear a prophetic word from giftings that hold the word, and we're all called to be these people. Can you hear that? It's, it's like there are people that have giftings, anointings, gracings to help other people grow and mature. So we're all growing and maturing as a family, but we are all called to be people who prophesy. We are all called to be people who grow. We are all called to be people who know. We are all called to be. So in a family, if the family's not growing, my natural family's not growing, there's an issue. And if my daughters are 20, 25, and still two in their maturity, there's an issue. And so God wants us to grow through this prophetic utterance, this heavenly utterance that we would know who we are and live in this brand new identity through this prophetic word. So ears to hear are just as important as being able to prophesy. That was a mouthful. Um, yeah, a couple of instances where where I've um, received a personal word that have been... Uh, revealing and transformative has been uh, one that pops to mind is when um, it was a few years back where uh, at home we would um, spend time with the kids and Sarah was there as well and we would um, just ask God to turn up and share words for each other and just pray with each other and just practicing um, stirring up our gifts you know and I remember Sarah gave me this word and she said I just see this picture of you (laughs) I'll try not to cry I see this picture of you with your father, meaning God, and you're building, you've got building blocks and you're just building and you're spending time together and sometimes you knock blocks over, sometimes you're building and they fall over and it's okay because the ones that he builds don't fall over and he loves the process and um you know, it was so awesome just to hear. It was so simple, and it was beautiful because for me, it it really spoke of the freedom that's in Christ. That I can't stop building. Gosh, I'm a builder. That's my job. <laughs> but more than that, we are people, and so there's a process of learning to let go of being diligent to enter into His rest. And for me, that really spoke to the freedom that comes from being on that journey, that I don't have to get it right overnight. It's okay. He's got it. And so, you know, I might be 
the recipient of standing there looking at some blocks on the ground. <laughs> That's all right as well, you know. And so um, just a real, a real simple moment where God really defined something for me, which is really awesome. Um, and then there was another moment um, where this, a similar thing happened through me for um, Khan, my oldest boy. And we were doing the same thing, just practicing. And, and I heard a word, and I know that I said that I don't always hear words. Sometimes I do. And I knew what I heard, but I did not know what it meant. I thought it was a mean word. It was, uh, the word was stalwart. And I just had never heard the word before, and I was like, stalwart? Who's going to call someone that? And I was like, what am I going to get out of that, God? And I, but I knew it was the Father. I knew he had spoken, and I, I searched it. And the moment that I read the what it meant, man, the Holy Spirit just hit me and I just, I just wept. I was like, man, God, this is how you see my son. And this is how you see your son, you know. And, and so it really helped define for me how the father saw him. And so to look at him like the father sees him, I think that's such a valuable part of what the prophetic is, to see as he sees because otherwise it's easy to attach our own ideas or our own filters on things. And when God goes, no, I see this, you know, um, Gideon is a classic example in the Bible, this guy who's fearful and doesn't know what to do and never led an army necessarily. And God turns around and goes, mighty man of valor, and calls those things that be not as though they are. And that for me is is what this this utterance of of what God's intent is, we get to partner with him in declaring the things that he already sees that might not necessarily be a reality in our timeline. I just think that's why you need to know you're loved. So, you know, I love what Chris just said. He, he, says, it as he, he says it as he sees it. And and sometimes we want that to be nice, but it's life the way he says it. So like this morning, Joe said, Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, you say, but I say. And so often we think that's negative, but there's no negative. Christ never speaks anything negative. He only speaks life. So when he rebuked Peter, Put yourself in Peter's shoes and say, if that's you, do you know he still loves you? Because he can't let you continue in something that if you're out of alignment. But he loves you enough. And if you're in alignment, then he also speaks. But to be out of alignment and then hear a word thinking you're in alignment and running off, you're still in a form of deception. You know what I'm trying to say? So God has to be real. He has to be truthful. He has to be true to himself to tell you and show you where you're really at. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. So we need to know we're loved for when he comes and actually says it as he sees it, you embrace it rather than run away from it. And then there's the bit where he goes, this is actually, you've come into this. This is well done. So both are good, healthy, and right in the Lord, and it is all for the purpose of building us up. But too often, we define it, and then we hear it negatively, and then like Joe said, we're like Adam running away from God, but God's chasing us, and we're hiding instead of actually just going, yes, Lord, that's right. And so there's real tension with this stuff um, because everything he did is for his people. 
So even what I just said, I'm aware of what I just said to you, that is for us. And, um, you know, it, it's once again, it's not something that anybody wants. It's not like, I'm sure, I know for myself, it's like, I actually don't choose this. So the choices of, what am I trying to say? It's, it's God doing what God does. You don't choose things. No one chooses this to do the, these things for him because you just don't. Why would you? Um, and so there's, there's tension with all these things, and especially this prophetic gift. So just, just know you're loved, know everything is for you and for the building up of you, and then you can embrace it all. And I think so often the, the negative is not necessarily what's coming, it's what's between here, you know? And and I think that that so often defines what it is that we either hear or read. Um, and I think uh, is that Jesus says, be careful how you hear, you know? And like Greg was saying, there's as much of a, um, a, a challenge in not just speaking, but how it is that we're hearing and receiving everything that's, that's going out there. Eh? So um, just very aware of the time. Does anyone have any, um, any questions at, at this point? Does the prophetic message come in dreams? Yes. Yeah, definitely. It makes me think of um, Joseph, you know, and, and Joseph received a dream uh, that was all um, um, all of his brothers and family members would be bowing down to him, you know, um, and he receives that prophetic word about who he was called to be in a dream, starts sharing it with his brothers maybe a little bit prematurely and finds himself left for dead and then in prison and there's a, a period of however many years before he actually starts to live out the, um, you know, God's intention and what God had spoken to him through the dream, um, even though in the physical for so many years it, it really didn't look like that word would ever come to life. So um, I, I think it can definitely come through dreams for sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, my question follows on from the last one. If you have a dream and you feel that it's come from God, can you be sure that that's the case? Good question. How do you know that it's come from God? I think, um, to me, that it's the same question about dreams but it could be anything you know any any kind of prophetic word or um or whatever it is any sense that we get from from the holy spirit you know i think there's there's sometimes there's dreams that are divine and other times there are dreams that are just you know I, sometimes i have some pretty weird weird dreams that aren't necessarily um you know divinely inspired and i think it's that's the process of um <laughs> what are you thinking uh, the, 
that to me that's the process of discernment and why to me relate, relationship and you know, fellowship with God is so important as we come to understand his his heart and and know him in a in a real way will start to um, I think it will bring light to what it is that we're receiving, whether it's aligned to what it is that he's saying um, or um, whether it's just something that's come from our own imagination. So. I think also, Roy, I think, you know, once again, I think there's a conviction of our own heart and our own spirit, and then I'd encourage that to be shared within the covering that you're under. Um, and... Uh, get counsel on that and it obviously depends on what it is and there are things that God is asking us to do within that dream as well so just trying to ask him what what the meaning of things are and there are certain giftings in the body that can interpret those things as well and that's once again why it's so essential that all the gifts operate Um, but it also talks about this is just slightly different but just seems to bring it up that prophets uh, keep prophets accountable and so the Bible talks about what is of God does come to pass. So if it is of the Lord, it will come to pass. And we can rest in that as well. So we don't have to try and make anything happen because what is of him will happen. Then it comes about waiting for it to happen and doing what he asks you to do. But, um, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about, I'm not sure where it is now, it's in the New Testament, that, that prophets hold prophets accountable. And so it's not just... You know, thus saith the Lord, here we go, let's go full on. It's in the counsel of others as well to discern what it is. Once again, that's a safety protection for everyone in the body. The prophet, the prophets, the body of Christ. Um, I think we read that last week, actually. Um, If there's no, uh, what does it say? Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Yeah. And that's really good. So I've... I've, um, I heard someone say once, uh, you know, one, one part is going and giving a person a word and going, hey, look, this is what I'm sensing for you or what I'm feeling, but there's the follow-up as well. And I feel like especially in family, being accountable to what it is that you've spoken and going, hey, how, how did that sit with you? How does that feel? Just for my own growth as much as anything, because I feel like there's always a coming into clarity of what it is that God's speaking and our ability to articulate that. Um, Steve McCracken, who's a part of our family, said... Um, it's important not, not just that we say what God's saying, but how God's saying it, saying it, how the Father's saying it, you know, which is really important to me too because we can hear a word from the Father and say it in completely the wrong way and just not express his heart. Um, and so you might, just by being humble enough to go, hey, what are your thoughts around that word? Hey, Paul, how did you feel about that word that I gave you? Hey, the word was bang on, but I didn't really... You know, it was harsh or, you know what I mean? So there's plenty to be learnt from that. So if you do receive like a prophetic word and there is something about it that, that doesn't sit right, is that something that you just kind of park? Or do you like, I guess how do you go about that? Do you just kind of move on or do you ask I guess it kind of goes along with what you were saying, Chris. Yeah, cool. Um, so in, in my experience, I've found that sometimes um, you, can, you can just receive a bad word, let's say, where it actually just isn't the Father, it's someone just speaking and it actually wasn't God. 
Um, sometimes you can have a word that sounds like it means something, but it means something else because it's not always clear. Um, and an example of that is when um, uh, God's talking to Moses and he says, um, if there's a prophet among you, I'll speak to him in dark sayings, but not so with my servant Moses, whom I'll speak face to face and clearly. And so I guess an example of that was um, just recently, and it's probably a bit um, bit sensitive because I'm still going through this process, but um, Steve McCracken came recently and gave me a word. I wasn't actually here, but he just shared it because he knew that I'd be listening. And he said, um, he said, I see you as a releaser of releases. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, if anyone knows what's going on you know, in my work situation where my business is closing, um, it looks completely different now than what it might have sounded like initially, you know, where it goes, where, oh, because I had people go, oh, that's a great word. And I, I knew what he was saying. I had a sense about it, and and that was really helpful, actually, to have a word like that because it helped me in the process to, you know, we don't always see clearly far ahead. You know, sometimes it's just there's light on one step, and that's that's what it's been for me lately. Um, And so to have Steve bring that word, people said to me, oh, that's great, you got a great word, and I was like, Nah, <laughs> it's not. It's not a great word because I I know what it means. Like I I have an indication as to what this means, and so the word wasn't wrong, but what people heard, their people's interpretation of it was different. And to be honest, it would be quite possible for me to have interpreted that wrong as well. Um, thank God that he he gave me the clarity on that. Um, but I feel like with everything, I th- it says in Psalms, "In your light we see light." And I feel like there's such an important part about what it is that we hear that we have to take to him and not just go, yeah, I know what that means or or judge it for ourselves without really keeping him in the process. And that's just getting back to what Greg was talking about in terms of abiding. He's got to be in that process because how are we ever going to get it without him? <laughs> We're not. But um, if if you've received something that is jarring and you've taken it to him and it just doesn't feel right, well... That's that's a really great place to start recognizing that. Yeah, oh, if that's happening, you know, there's obviously people you can talk to about it. So you can take it to someone else. You can even go to the person and go, "Hey, what did you mean yeah. by that?" Or, um, do you record words people give you? I often write them up on a document on my laptop because some of them will take years and years to be fulfilled, you know. But some you can sense in your spirit. It might need parking. For sure. So I think there's a whole range of different scenarios. You know, it could, like Chris was saying, that it could just be that the word wasn't wasn't right. But sometimes a word, because of how we hear it, can seem jarring to us. But actually, it was the word of the Lord. We just haven't received it in, in the right way, you know, or interpreted it in the right way. And, and I know for for me, I like when I was um, when I was overseas in Indonesia. Came back to um, to Wellington. We're at a, um, at a at a men's at a men's camp, and I had a guy tap me on the shoulder um, at you know at, um, at the end of a session who I'd never met before, even seen, had no idea who he was, and he started to prophesy over me and described exactly the. He said, "I see you sitting in a circle with a ring of people, and you're sharing and dialoguing about Christ, and this is in a jungle village, and um, and he, it was." Um, just amazingly 
pinpoint precision accurate of a situation I had just been in two weeks ago from a guy I had never met and had never talked to me in my, in my life, you know? And he said, he said that I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to you that, that at this time, this is what God wants you to do. And in my mind, I was like, my goodness, I, was, I, was, I, I love being overseas. I'm like, man, God has confirmed he wants me to be a missionary, you know? <laughs> and and, and I was, I, it, was an, it was inspirational at the time, but thankfully I just, I just sat on it. Um, and I, I just parked it to the side for, you know, for a little while. And, and over the course of time when I came back, um, I described like I, prior to going, you know, Greg used the example the other week of being, um, was it um, like friends, um, you know, guests, friends or sons. And I was most certainly um, probably a, a friend. I wasn't actually probably like as, I was part of the family, but I wasn't invested in the way that I am now. And, and I felt like over the course of that year, the, the Holy Spirit started to unpack to me actually what that word meant and I had interpreted it as, oh, Jungle Village, you're going to be a missionary. But he started to bring to light the value of discipleship that I hadn't known before and, and talking about what it actually means to invest into relationships with people and to be able to unpack the word together and be able to allow people to speak into my life. And, and all of a sudden, the word took on a completely different application to what it was that I initially interpreted from it. And th- does, that, does that make sense? You know? So the word was word was was right, but my interpretation of it at the time, I think, wasn't what I initially thought. But there was actually a far greater weight and value when allowing the Holy Spirit to bring to light what it was that He actually meant by that. And that was a time of such incredible growth as I actually began to learn from and walk in discipleship with with other people. So.